Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey ghouls and guys, do you like to get spooky and stay spooky? Then check out our podcast, The Golden Ghouls. Each week we talk about our favorite things, ghosts and the paranormal. Sound like a good time? Then give us a listen on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Goodbye. Is Ted Bundy's ghost still haunting us today? And they thought he was an urban legend until he asked to feel their muscles. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day, too. This is the, I guess, the official start of season two. We're back. Took a little week-long break. It was weird coming back. You know, I've really only done this show for about two months, but it became such a routine for me. So for me not to record for a week, it was odd. It was, I, took me a while to get back on the mic, but I'm glad that I'm back here. I'm back on my keto diet. That'll actually play a little bit into our next story. But first off, our first story is going to be, (sighs) okay, so this story, it took me down some rabbit holes and it made me realize something. A lot about just paranormal research in general and the way that we approach these things. And this story is going to be, is Ted Bundy's ghost still haunting us? Now, I came across this because I was looking for stuff on killer ghosts. And of course, when you type in killer ghosts, I got results for ghosts of serial killers. Oh, that's great. That's actually probably more interesting than ghosts who kill people. I came across an article in a website, uh, Psychology Today is the website. It's a very reputable website. It's not a fringe website. It's not a goofy news website like the Daily Star or anything like that. Had an interesting article about the ghost of Ted Bundy. And it profiles these different stories. Now, the author of this article wrote a book also called Blood and Ghosts. It's about supernatural events or ghosts, paranormal events at crime scenes. Sounds very fascinating. I've always wondered how much police officers and EMTs and things like that encounter a ghost. Um... (laughs) <laughs> it's probably not a lot, but you figure these are people who are constantly dealing with tragic situations. They're out in remote areas late at night. I've been watching a lot of Twin Peaks lately, but even before Twin Peaks, actually, no, maybe the first Twin Peaks when it was being aired on CBS, it may have given me that idea. But I, how, how often do the police and the FBI and EMTs and stuff, what if you were a fireman and you ran into a haunted house? That actually is a pretty good idea for a movie. Fire Ghost. Fahrenheit 450 Ghost? I don't know. I'll uh, figure that one out. But anyway, so... Okay, so I'm off traffic. Okay, Ted Bunny's Ghost. So the Psychology Today article, is it's an interesting article, and it talks about sightings of Ted Bundy's ghost. Now, the first thing is they talk about, so at the prison where Ted Bundy was executed, this guard, he's anonymous. He didn't want his name revealed because, you know, obviously the guard's going to feel that they are going to be harassed and made fun of and stuff like that. But anyways, this guard said that other guards at the prison 
have seen Ted Bundy's ghost sitting in the electric chair. This is about 2001 when this story was told. But anyway, so, it, it, and which sounds terrifying. It, it, in the, an execution room isn't the most calm place anyways. It's not a place like, oh, I just need to get away from the guys. I want to eat my break on by myself. I don't want to be bugged. I'm going to go in the execution room, eat a sandwich. So he says that in the execution chamber where, um, I keep wanting to say Bill Cosby, where the execution chamber where Ted Bundy was electrocuted to death, the guards have stated that they have seen his ghost sitting in the electric chair, terrifying, and then he turns to them with what is known as a knowing smile, and then he would say, oh no, no, he wouldn't say anything then, he would just turn and smile and then disappear, but he was also seen in other parts of his uh, of the prison specifically his holding cell on death row and he would say well i beat all of you didn't i and then he would fade away you know these terrifying things i personally think serial killers are very gauche i think it's tacky i think it's one of the tackiest crimes possible i'll do another episode on that but anyways so this guy is the serial killer blah 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 his ghost is popping around and this it got to the point where the guard said the warden of the prison said if anyone ever repeats this story you're fired i'm tired of hearing about ted bundy's ghost the Psychology Today article goes on to say that mediums have said that they've channeled him. Mediums have said, or he's been spotted on the porch of a home that he rented out in Tallahassee. The Psychology Today actually had a really even more creepy segment about Ted Bunny's ghost. So he went to University of Puget Sound. Puget? 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 Puget. I think it's Puget. University of... I don't remember how I said it. University of Puget Sound. Anyways, the school newspaper there... The Puget Sound Trail did an article saying that students there have seen his ghost so regularly, they actually gave him a nickname, Teddy the Friendly Ghost. And the reason why they call him Teddy the Friendly Ghost is because apparently he's quite friendly. He will walk young co-eds across campus, which is terrifying, but he can't do anything to them. And the co-eds are saying, oh, you know, it's just kind of a pleasing presence to have somebody there with me. blah blah. blah. And he's been spotted at parties, like dancing along to parties. I'm just quoting the article. And the um, they ended up doing a Ouija board thing. Ouija uh, ceremony? A, a Ouija board reading? I don't know the exact terminology. But anyways, and the message um, that came across was, I cannot touch them. So many to kill and I cannot touch them. It is my hell. That's really creepy. And actually, that would be hell for a serial killer. To be trapped in a form where all of your hurt, nubile, young, tasty victims can just walk by you and go, oh, Teddy, and you can't touch him, you can't interact with him. That's how he exhibited his power. Now, he also had a huge obsession with pornography, and you figure being a ghost would actually help that, because you could just fly to pornographic sets, or just, I guess, hang out in girls' rooms, really, if you're a horny ghost. Here's the thing. Everything in this article is complete nonsense. Absolutely. And I read this article, and I thought, wow. This is really, really creepy. And I had the story ready to go. I was ready to move on it. And something inside of me said, you know what? Double check this. Double check this story. Because something didn't sit right with. And what it was specifically was the scene where Bundy was partying with the kids at the school. That, that's really what clued me in that this was a fake story. Okay, so this was the actual quote. This is really what's... And I read this quote multiple times and I thought it was weird. But because it was sourced in the Psychology Today article, I just let it pass. And then I decided to finally look into it a little bit more. I'm going to read you the quote first. The quote is, 
And this is from the Puget Sound Trail article. Bundy's, Bundy's ghost is not just popular with girls, but with guys as well. Quote, he's a crazy guy to party with, especially if there are girls dancing, unquote, said junior Kyle Verklin at an off-campus party that was shut down for noise complaints and paranormal activity. Quote, T. Bundy can tear the dance floor up. Something about seeing those girls bump and grind made him go crazy. Hands down, the best thing I've ever seen at a UPS party, unquote. I read it the first time. I thought it was weird that this the party was shut down for paranormal activity. The fact that he was called T. Bundy. The fact that there was this ghost that Ted Bundy did. But I, uh, I let it go. I continued to prep this story. I came across it again. I read that I was reading the article again. I still let it go. Before I decided to start recording this, I, I just needed to check something out. It is in the Puget Sound Trail school newspaper in a section called Combat Zone, which is, surprise, surprise, a parody slash comedy part of the student newspaper. This is completely made up. This is the part that contained the Ouija board. It never happened. They never called him Teddy the Friendly Ghost. He never walks girls across campus. And he definitely was never bumping and grinding with girls as T. Bundy and a, a party was not shut down due to paranormal activity. Once that once I eliminated half the article, I went back to the story of the guard in the prison. I researched that. We never know the name of the guard, which is fine. I understand people want to be anonymous. But we never know the name of the reporter he initially told the story to. We never know the name of the newspaper that published the article. We never know the name of the warden who said you can't talk about Ted Bundy's ghost. There is no sourcing for this. And every time I found a... Reference to the story of the warden, they all linked back to the Psychology Today website. Completely made up. It's an urban legend that somebody told, and the Psychology Today reported it. And the reason why this is important, the reason why I still wanted to go ahead with the story, was that as fans of paranormal stuff, I want to believe in this stuff. And I do believe in this stuff. I've had personal experiences. I've seen stuff that makes me believe in this stuff. So when I come across these articles, and I think when most people who are fans of this stuff come across these articles, our willingness to believe overrides our logic sometimes. And I think it's important for us to then step back and go, let's get a little more info on this. Just because a legitimate website reports it doesn't mean it's legitimate. But you'll notice this a lot. You'll hear an interesting story, and if you start to look into it, you realize that there's nothing behind it. Typical thing, regular rule in journalism, who, what, when, where, why, how. Now, I know in paranormal stories, you're never going to get the how or the why, unless it's provably fake. The why is usually money or attention, and the how is wires and a sheet and a flashlight. A lot of times, people want to rename anonymous, and I get that. But we need to have when, we need to have where, we need to have... More details. I understand the person wanted to stay anonymous, but who wrote the article initially about this? Everyone talks about this was a, a paper in Florida, a newspaper in Florida, a journalist in Florida. Who? It's made up. And it's frustrating because I want to read these stories and I want them to have some credibility because I want to believe in this stuff. I did find an interesting story related to this, and, and this kind of shows the other side of this argument that I'm making. There is a contractor who says that he worked on the house that Ted Bundy grew up in, and it's haunted. This contractor, this article is in uh, the News Tribune. It's a, it's a Washington paper. And this contractor is saying, I went to this house. This, uh, my name is Casey Clopton. I was the contractor. This started in September of the year 
2017, fairly recent, was seeing things like drawers being opened when they shouldn't have been opened, electronic devices failing, uh, finding messages like leave and help me written in the sawdust on the ground. He brings his young girl over and she doesn't want to be there. Other people have stopped by. They didn't want to be there. He he didn't know it was Ted Bundy's home. He got two priests to come in to breast the uh, breast. To bl- <laughs> that's bad timing. To bless the place. And he wrote Bible verses on the walls. And then he just finished his job as quickly as he could. He said it was both scary and neat. And that's the story. Now it's possible, obviously, he's making it up. And it's also possible that he could not be making it up, but things like going into a house and your phone dying, electronics do die. Kids don't want to be places they don't want to be in general. Some places just have a creepy vibe. And you could heighten the otherwise normally mundane things because they kind of stack on top of each other and it doesn't mean that it's haunted. So there's the possibility it's haunted, the possibility he's making it up, or the possibility that it's not haunted, he's not making it up. It's just a series of odd coincidences that were happening in in order. Leave and help me. Someone could have wrote that. A ghost could have wrote that. He could be making it up. I don't know. But you see the difference in these two articles. One has far more facts about it. It's less compelling and less scary. It's just the guy saying, I worked in a haunted house for a couple months and it was creepy. And the creepiest thing was I saw Leave written in the sawdust. The other one has direct communication with Ted Bundy and the prison guards interacting with Ted Bundy. And generally, as listeners, as readers, we give more weight to people in, in official positions. So a contractor saying he saw a ghost, we weigh differently than if a prison guard said that he saw a ghost. Same thing if someone sees a UFO versus a pilot sees a UFO, we weigh those things differently. I'm more apt to believe the Casey Clopton story. The contractor story. Actually, no, let's rephrase it. I'm way, I'm, I'm a thousand times more likely to believe that story from that guy that I've never met than I am to believe the Psychology Today article because it's provably false. But it's funny because I was ready to believe both of them equally. And actually, I, I think I was ready to believe the Psychology Today article more because it was a reputable website. So, you know, the, the, the key thing here is that we as fans of this, as researchers of this, really need to do our due diligence. And we need to be willing to call out things that are fake or we believe are fake. There's nothing wrong with that. It may be less fun. There's always that old saying, you'll never sell a million books about UFOs if you say UFOs are fake. And that's true. But I think there's enough real UFO stories out there and enough real ghost stories out there and enough real conspiracy stories out there. And they might not be as sexy as the made up ones, but because they are real and because they have enough to go on that someone can research them years later, they are far more fascinating than Ted Bundy's ghost dancing at a party. The next story we're going to do is fascinating to me. I've said this multiple times. I'm a big fan of urban legends. I'm a big fan of local legends. This is a story of an urban legend, a man that people in the area thought was fake until they met him. And more importantly, until he appeared in court. So this story takes place in Northwest England in the early 2000s. Now, when I was growing up, not in Northwest England, but just for an aside, when I was growing up, there was a, in Alameda, which is in the Bay Area, there was a homeless man named Tr- Joe Trombone. And Joe Trombone was this crazy homeless man who all the teenagers saw. I was too young. I was around 11 or 12 at the time. But they all saw him. And what made Joe Trombone interesting is that when you saw him, if you said, hey, Joe Trombone, bust a rhyme, he would start rapping on the spot, freestyling the most insane lyrics possible. 
about all sorts of stuff. Now, being able to make rhymes like uh, disorganized rhyming is a sign, is a side effect of schizophrenia because you're just the way your brain is wired. So if you saw him on the bus, you just say, yo, Joe Trombone, you know, drop a flow. And he would just go. He would just start rapping. Now, I always wanted to meet him, never did. He's a local legend. So I've always had, like, liked those stories of those people in certain areas. Because you're never going to meet them. You're across the globe. And sometimes you never even meet them when you're in this city. So in northwest England, which is a big geographical area, obviously. In the early 2000s, there was a guy known in the area as Purple Aki. So the, the let's get the, the meaning of the name out of the way right now. Purple Aki came about because he was considered so black, he was purple. He was a black dude, and they considered him so black, he was purple. His real name was Akinwale Arobike. People in town called him Purple Aki. Yes, that's a very, very racist term. He's actually not, like, when they said that, I was like, oh, dude, this guy must be, like, super black. He looks like Coach from Left 4 Dead 2. But I guess in that area where they weren't used to seeing black people... He seemed super black. And when you first, when I'm first reading about him, I'm like, this guy's kind of a tragic figure. He's this big, giant black dude. He's six foot five and 310 pounds. He's living in England. People are referring to him as Purple Aki. As his legend grows, a restaurant started a Purple Teriyaki Burger. His name, Purple Aki, was used in court documents. Nowadays, he's like, I just want to be left alone, mate. Why you guys, because people will follow him around with YouTube cameras and be like, hey, Purple, purple Aki, Purple Aki. And he's like, hey, I just want to be left alone. So your heart kind of goes out for this guy. People are saying racist things right to his face. People are stalking him. Then you just slightly, slightly look into the story just a little bit more. And this guy is, you, all sympathy goes out the window. All sympathy for this guy goes out the window. No, you shouldn't be calling him that. For the rest of the episode, we're going to refer to him as Aki, unless I'm specifically quoting something. So you shouldn't be referring to him as, as that name, especially in court documents, and that comes into play later. But anyway, so Aki, his claim to fame was, like I said, he was six foot five. he was 310 pounds. He was a bodybuilder. What he would do, what he was known for, and what he admits doing is walking up to young, fit men, young, muscular men, men who took care of their bodies and things like that, and he would ask, oh, man, oh, mate, look at your muscles, mate. Can I feel them? Can I feel your muscles? And you'd be like, uh, uh, and this guy was so big and so imposing. They'd be like, yeah, sure, feel my muscles. All right, mate, let me feel them. Oi, they're strong. You then take out measuring tape and measure your muscles. And you're like, okay, the guy seems a little mentally ill. But sometimes... He would walk up to someone and go, all right, mate, can I feel your muscles? And they would be like, uh, and he'd be like, how's your cousin doing? I know he goes to that school across the street, and I know where you live. Can I feel your muscles? He was stalking these guys, too. He kept detailed records of these men, where they lived, where family members lived, their father's place of work. And he would write down the measurements of the guys. He had a stalking guy. He wasn't this poor, sad sap who was walking around England. Go, you know, just he was a stalker. He was a through and through stalker who used his size and his. How, first, wait, I just realized this. How does a six foot five guy stalk you? Does he dress like a bush? How how hard would it be to spot this giant walking through your front yard? 
But anyways, he stalked people. He threatened people. One family had to go into witness protection. He actually caught a manslaughter charge because this young man, I think he was like 15 or 16, was petrified of Aki. He had a run-in with him before. He had a run-in with this guy before where he felt intimidated to let Aki touch his muscles. A time later, he was at the train station. Aki showed up. The kid, terrified of what was going to happen, because there was also urban legends that he would cut you open or rape you and stuff like that. None of that's ever been proven. But he was definitely an intimidating person who stalked people. Anyways, this young kid is terrified of Aki. He runs across the railroad track, steps on a live line, you know, like the third rail, electrocuted, dies. They arrested Aki for manslaughter. He was found guilty. He won on appeal. For two reasons. One was he said, he usually defended himself in court. I'm not for sure if he defended himself on this count, but he said, all I was doing was standing there. And there was no one else to dispute that. All I was doing was standing there. And in the court documents, they refer to him as Purple Aki. So he goes, this is obviously racism against me. They were using a racist slang word. The police are using a racist slang word. That's why they're coming down on me so much. He actually won on appeal, did not get the manslaughter charge, and won 35,000 pounds or dollars or 35,000 of some currency for that. That aside, he was in and out of jail. He was constantly being arrested for harassment, for grabbing people's muscles, for basically like stuff like intimidation. So a quick tip about crime in general. If I, if I'm walking down the street and there is somebody who's much smaller than me and I say, nice shoes, can I have them? I can be charged with intimidation or theft. Because the implication isn't, nice shoes, can I buy them off you? The implication is, nice shoes, give them to me or I will beat you up. That is generally what happens when you're in jail or prison. They just go, hey, nice shoes, can I have them? I, hey, do you mind if I eat the rest of your food? You have the option of saying no, but you understand the implications if you say no. But the, your defense would be like, all I told him is, is he had nice shoes and he gave them to me. It, that, that doesn't fly. So he could say, well, I just walked up and said, can I feel your muscles? And he let me feel his muscles. But the other person, the victim, is going to say, yeah, because he was a giant. And I knew his reputation. And I knew he was stalking people. So anyways, he's in and out of jail. He eventually gets, because the court believes that all of this stuff about feeling, oh, I haven't even gotten to the upside down squat thing. So just when you're like, oh, he's just feeling muscles, you know, he's just measuring muscles. Ah, he's just hiding in people's bushes and finding out where their nephew lives. It's no big deal, Jason. The physical, let, let's put this, I want you to imagine yourself in this position. Whatever physical fitness level you're at, let's put yourself in the streets of Northwest England. Aki comes up to you and says, hey, I love your muscles. Do you want to do an upside down squat? And you're like, what's that? Never heard of that before. So normally a squat is you just squat. You stand up straight and you sit down in the air. That's probably the best way to explain it on a podcast. You sit down so your thighs are horizontal to the ground and then you stand back up. Squat basic. Everyone does them. Then you have the squats where someone hangs off your back. So you get some young hot chick at the gym to wrap her arms and legs around you and you do a squat. It adds another, you know, 110 pounds to your lift. An upside down squat is where Aki climbs on your back. So now you have 310 pounds and a six foot five guy on your back, but he's doing it upside down. So his face is in your butt and his dick is pressed against your neck and you're squatting. The, whether or not you say, ah, these victims, you know, they just should just deal with it. Some guy feels their muscles. It's no crime. Imagine having a dude's giant dick on the back of your neck as you're squatting in public because he knows where your nephew lives anyways the courts could never 
prove that he was doing this for sexual gratification, which he probably was, but they hit him with a SOPA order. SOPA is a sexual offender protection order. And they said, it's basically like a thing, you know, we have them in America where we're like, you can't live within 100 yards of a school or you can't interact with children. His order was a judge said, you can never, ever touch another man's muscles. You can't ask for it and you can't do it. And he violated that order multiple times. He was going other places. He had the order on him. He would feel someone's muscles. They would call the cops. The cops, that's all they needed now. They'd pick him up, throw him in jail. Happened multiple times. He didn't care. And then all of it got removed. Because his defense that this was a racist rich witch hunt was eventually believed. The lifetime ban is removed. He no longer is able to be arrested on the spot for feeling someone's muscles. Unless the person is truly saying, no, I was victimized and stuff like that. Because the police had to use that stupid nickname in the police report. They shouldn't have done that. If they hadn't, he probably would have been in jail for the manslaughter charge. He would definitely still have a SOPA order. As of today, if you are a fit young man walking the streets in northwest England, there is a chance that you will run into Aki, and he will ask to feel your muscles. And as much as I would like to run into a urban legend, I do don't think I could do an upside-down squat. Even with all my keto, I don't think I'm in shape enough for him. But however, maybe someday. Maybe so. I don't... I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that it's like I'm looking forward to that. But no. No. So, Aki, I don't want to meet you. I don't care how fit I am. You need to stop doing this stuff. Nowadays, there's a lot of YouTube videos of people stalking him. And him being like, go away, mate. Go away. I just want to live my life. And part of you, like, the initial part of you goes, wow, they're picking on that guy. But then when you remember all of the stuff he's done to other people, you realize this is his just dessert. You can't really stalk people when you're famous in an entire region. And he's not going to be left alone. He is a meme. He is a, went from being an urban legend, because people didn't believe he existed. They, the story was so absurd uh, one bodybuilder would tell another bodybuilder, and they'd be like, that's absurd. And then they would run into Aki, and they, the legend grew. And then eventually when he got arrested, they, it was proven that this guy actually existed. And now people hold up signs at soccer games. And like I said, the restaurant has the purple teriyaki burger. And he's well-known. BBC did a documentary on him, and he flipped out about that as well. So you got your just desserts, bro. You got your just desserts, and they're loaded for the carbs. And it's totally going to ruin your cut. But this is what happens when you stalk people and ask to feel their muscles. I wonder what would happen if someone who was like not super muscular, but was like working really hard, doing go mad, drinking a gallon of milk a day, is walking with their super fit buddy. And Aki is like, I just talks to your buddy. I wonder if that would make you like go to the gym and want to hit it more because you know what he's doing. Or would you just be like, I think I'm good here. I think this is the body that I want. The body that makes me invisible to a six foot five giant. Well, everyone, that is basically season two, the first episode of season two of Dead Rabbit Radio. We're going to keep doing this. I'm having a lot of fun doing it, and I'm getting a lot of great feedback from you guys as well. I featured a promo for another podcast at the beginning. We're going to keep doing stuff like that because I like celebrating other podcasts that kind of have the same vibe as us. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. 
You can hit us up on Twitter at Jason O. Carpenter. We also have our YouTube channel, which is Dead Rabbit Radio. We have, it's basically the same thing as the podcast. We're going to be rolling out some new stuff there, though, soon. And I'll let you know what's going on with that. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great week, guys. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.